0: Thank you, Wesley. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Man, we are glad to have you here at East Brainerd this morning. Thanks for making us part of your day, part of your weekend, whether you are here with us in person or whether you are watching online. We greatly appreciate your presence and, and being a part. We hope that you're uplifted while you are here. Hope that you're encouraged and hopefully this week is going to be a little bit easier because of the time, the time that you've spent focused on, focused on God this morning. You know, we're in the middle of a series that's called Squeezed, and it's all, about, it's all about the tension that followers of God feel while being a part of a culture that does not value the things of God. Now look, we should not be surprised about this, right? It should not surprise us that people who, who do not filter their, their thoughts and actions through a God lens... Well, we, we shouldn't be surprised then when those individuals are at odds perhaps with people who do filter their thoughts and actions through a God lens. So if that's your life, if you look and say, you know what, I try to filter things through God, I, I do the old adage, what would Jesus do? Well, if that's the way that you are living, you should not be surprised then when you run in different circles and you find people, they do not filter their lives that way. They do not have the same mindset. And so there's naturally going to be tension because we should not expect people who do not believe in God to act like believers in God. So it should not surprise us that there's going to be some type of of tension that goes on. But like every believer before us, we live in a secular society that does not have our soul's best interest at heart. This society is not concerned about your eternal souls. Not concerned about the relationship that you have with God. Not concerned about in anything that comes next after this life. Not concerned about the kingdom of God. That's not its focus. And it's why the Apostle Paul asked Christians living in the midst of a pagan and hedonistic culture not to conform to the pattern of this world. He urged them, don't conform to the pattern of a world that does not recognize the God that you serve. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, he said. And it's great advice. It's great advice because our culture does not get its marching orders from God or from his scriptures. You see, our culture is anthropocentric. It's human-centered, humanity-centered. Everything revolves around the person and the person's wants and feelings. Becoming the best you, the best version of you that you can be is goal number one. It really doesn't matter what you do or think or believe as long as it ends up coming to the best authentic you. And if we're honest about it, and I hope we are, if we're honest that sounds pretty good. Right? I mean, it really does. It sounds pretty good to be told, hey, find the best version of yourself. Who doesn't want to become the best version? Who doesn't want to find themselves? Who doesn't want to just do it, no matter what it is? That sounds like a great thing. And society celebrates this individuality. Unless. You see, society will celebrate this individuality unless your search for meaning leads you to God. You see, you can't be human-centered and God-centered at the same time. You can't. It just doesn't work that way. It's all or, or nothing. You can't have some invisible deity taking your focus off of you. It just won't work. And since our culture encourages and promotes and at times even demands that we live an anthropocentric life, well, that means that every new post and and every new social media video that's out, every TikTok video that you see, the the books, the movies, all the new podcasts that come out, many of them, they preach a very similar message. Life is all about you. And you, and and life's about you too. It's just you. It's everything focused in. You are the focus of your life. Here's the weird thing. In the midst of all of this individuality, our humanity craves acceptance. And so we end up giving into the pressure to reorient our lives around culturally accepted standards of thought and behavior. Where all of a sudden we look around and we're not really becoming the best version of of us. We're, We're not just focused on me. We're actually looking like everybody else that's around us. Because we want to be accepted and we want to be heard. And so all of a sudden we look up and we begin to take the shape of our society. We begin to mirror the latest beliefs and talking points and and hashtags. We have become shaped into the, not our own identity, but instead the identity of the powers that be, those who are around us. And, And we're taking the shape, not of our own, but of something that's being forced upon us. And so we've talked about how it's kind of like, you know, Plato. Now you were in kindergarten and got to, to take that out each day and mold that clay into whatever it is that you wanted. And we recognize, you know what, that's happening to us each and every day we get out of bed. Each and every day we, we turn on the television, we pull out our laptop, we go to the store, we we go to work. Our culture is shaping us. There's something always Pressing in on us. And just when we think we have the, the, the mold, just when we think we have the form that, that the culture wants, all of a sudden somebody else comes along and it's like, no, 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 that's not how you're supposed to think. That's not how you're supposed to act. That's not the person you're supposed to be. And we get pressed down even more. We feel the squeeze and we feel the tension. How about you? You felt the pressure of being squeezed into society's mold. Well, truthfully, probably you're not even aware how society has, has shaped your thoughts and actions. And that's why the Apostle Paul told Christians, be very careful. He said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. He says, because the days are evil. See, even in Paul's days, he recognized the problems that were facing the followers of God. And he called the days evil. Evil, not not evil as it pertains to character, but it was evil as it pertains to the effect and the, the influence that society was having on the person. He's saying that look, if you're not careful and, and if you're not focused in each day, you will suffer the harmful effects of living in a culture that does not recognize or care about the things that your God recognizes and cares about. He says, So be careful. And he says in verse 17, and don't be foolish. He says, don't be foolish, guys, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, understand what God wants from you and for you. Understand the purpose that he has for your life. And everybody, look, culture would love to squeeze this understanding right here totally from your mind so that you think there is no purpose besides the one that you come up with. But we learned last week that having been created by God for the purpose of of glorifying him and being a blessing to others that, that we, have, we have a value that's beyond ourselves. We have a value and a worth that's beyond just what we see in the mirror and just the talents that we think that we have. And a great example of this is in the life of a young man named Daniel. And so the last few weeks we've just kind of been looking through some of Daniel's story there in the Hebrew Scriptures. You see, when he was around 16 years old, he was carried off into slavery with thousands of other Jews And there he was to grow up in Babylon, and he was to be taught the Babylonian ways, and he was to learn Babylonian history, and and he was to become truly a Babylonian. Because the expectation was that they would be squeezed into the Babylonian lifestyle. And they had no choice. That is what was going to happen. But we're told that Daniel resolved not to defile himself. See, when given the choice between being squeezed into the mold of a culture whose thoughts and practices were inconsistent with with his. Well, Daniel and his friends, they decided to break the mold. And that's what we're trying to figure out. How how can we we do something similar each and every day as we go out into a society that continues to try to squeeze the purpose of God out from us? so we're going to look at another example of this. But before we do, I need all of our yaks to stand up. We're, we're, our young adult community, if you're a part of our young adult community, I want you to stand up. Go ahead. I know we've got some over here. Some of you are spread out. Hey, you guys better stand up over there. I need you for this. Go ahead. Thank you. There we go. All right. We've got some young adults that, that are in here. And I want you guys to stand up because we're going to, um, while well, everybody else is turning to Daniel chapter 3, okay, everybody else is turning to Daniel chapter 3, we're going to play a great game called Preacher Says. All right? Preacher Says. Now, Preacher Says is a lot like Simon Says. It's just a lot more spiritual okay? So, um, preacher's going to say something, and, and then, you know, you have to do what, what the preacher says. Everybody, we've got to understand this, right? We've seen this. You've you, you played something similar since the time you were little, but I need some more maturity to be able to demonstrate this, this properly, right? So, here's what I need. Here we go. Ready? Preacher says, quote Genesis one." Not bad. Not bad. I think I heard somebody um, you will know, say, for God so loved the world. I think you started off on that, but it's all right. That, that counts. It was biblical, so you did great. All right. Now, it's not just going to be all, all Bible verses. Here we go. Preacher says, clap once. Clap twice. Oh, you got to sit down. I didn't say preacher says, right? All right. If you clap twice, you got to sit down. Oh, look at this. Oh, I got you right off the top of the bat. All right. Sam, I see you over there, man. You're holding strong. All right. Here we go. Ready? Clap once. Oh, that's good. Here we go. All right, preacher says, clap once. Preacher says, clap twice. Preacher says, clap twice. Clap once. Preacher says, rub your stomach. Preacher says, rub your head. Preacher says, pat your head. If you're patting your stomach, sit down. Okay, there we go. All right, we're still doing good. All right, you guys can stop, it's good, good. Oh, I didn't say preachers, the preacher didn't say stop. All right, you try to sit down. Oh, and look, and we got a winner. There we go. <laughs> awesome. That's that the way, man. All right. Man, I, I really thought you guys would hang in there longer. I really did. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I, I really thought you'd hang in there a little longer. If um, if I wanted it short like that, I'd just ask all the elders to stand up. We would have done it. But um, <laughs> they never do what the preacher says. <laughs> But y'all were supposed to get that right, way ahead of time. All right, hey, here's the reason. Look, I, I needed these guys. To, I needed these guys to stand up. I wanted them to be able to demonstrate just how foolish you look when you're doing what other people says. Um, no, I-, I needed them to demonstrate to everyone how our actions reveal the voice that we follow. All right, if you like to write things down, why don't you write that one down right there? Our actions reveal the voice that we follow. And the voice that we follow reveals who it is that we truly worship. It's known as the law of exposure. The law of exposure. Our minds absorb and our lives reflect whatever we are more, most frequently exposed to. Okay? So, so think about this. The law of exposure, our minds, they, the minds absorb, our lives reflect whatever it is that we're spending the most time focused on whatever it is that we're spending the most time doing whatever it is that we are frequently exposed to that is what all of a sudden begins to shape and to mold us and our actions will reveal the voices that we follow let's look at daniel chapter 3 king nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of dura in the province of babylon Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he said set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up in Dura. Now we need to know as we get this started here that Daniel and his friends, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were being called, that these guys have been thriving in Babylon due to their wisdom and, and due to God's grace. Even though their names had been changed to reflect the culture that they were currently living in and a part of, their hearts remained engaged and focused and committed to Jehovah God. They had experienced a couple of close calls, but they had been able to navigate the potholes of living in a foreign culture, and they had actually been promoted to positions of power and prominence within that empire. And I don't know, maybe you find yourself in a similar situation. You have learned how to play the game in our current culture. And you've been able to keep your faith by keeping your head down and your mouth shut. And you've actually done pretty well. You have good friends. You're invited to fun parties. You go to church when you can. You haven't been fully assimilated into the culture now, sure, you have habits and thoughts that are at times more secular than spiritual, but who doesn't, right? And, and at least you haven't abandoned your faith like some people that you know. I mean, there are people you went to college with that you know now have nothing to do with God, people that you've worked with for years that have recently told you that they have abandoned their faith. And you say, well, that's not me. You're actually, are living the best of both worlds, and maybe you feel good right now as we've been going through the last few weeks this particular series you feel good that man i don't i don't feel squeezed i haven't felt that that tension i haven't felt that pressure but understand at some point in time you're going to be called to dura there will be a moment there will be a moment in every one of our lives where we can no longer play the game where we can no longer straddle the fence And in that moment, you have to choose who or what you will worship. You got to choose. And so the herald shouted out People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the musical instruments, bow down to the ground, worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation, Or language, or should I add also in here, God? See, because all the people that the Babylonians had had brought in to their empire, they they had a deity of some type, right? All the people, whatever their race, whatever their nation, whatever their language, whoever it is that they had been worshiping, these people bowed down to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Worship me or else is what's being said here. Worship me or else. Aren't you glad you don't hear that in today's world? You just hear think like I think or get canceled. Do what I say or lose your job. Wear this or go find another friend group. Post this or be on the wrong side of history. Guys, everyone has a moment where you must choose. Where you must choose between God and self between God and self-promotion, between God and and self-preservation. And we need to know this. Most of the people around us will not choose God. It's just not going to happen. Most of the people at your school, most of the people at your office, the people at your gym will bow down to whatever selfish God culture, it doesn't matter. But they're not gonna bow down to God. They'll bow down to whatever selfish God culture says to focus on. And they say, hey, we're in a foreign land. We have no option. Maybe you said that. And this is such a small matter. I mean, God's going to understand. It's just a little bitty, tiny exception. After all, everybody else is laying on the ground. Everybody else is on the ground. Did you know that in your Bibles, there are more than a thousand verses that speak to the subject of idolatry? So that just sounds like something a preacher would know, right? See, we just kind of skip over all those verses. They sound so Old Testament, right? We skip over them, even if we notice them at all. It just doesn't seem relevant. Definitely not something that we need here in 2022. And that's exactly what our culture wants us to think. Christopher Wright, in his book The Mission of God, says, Idolatry dethrones God and enthrones creation. Wright says, a great reversal happens. God, who should be worshiped, becomes an object to be used. And he says, creation, which is for our use and blessing, becomes the object of our worship. So, idolatry then is more than just you or I refusing to give glory to God, the creator. It is whenever you or I are giving glory to ourselves or anything else that we or that God created. It's a distorted view of worship. We might not have any carved statues. We might not have any gold images. But is it possible that our hearts really haven't changed that much at all? Our idols just look a little bit different. So let me give you a few questions to think about. Some questions for your head and for your heart. And as you're walking through and kind of answering these, I need you to understand that that these questions, the answers are going to show you perhaps the most prominent competition in your life when it comes to who's trying to take the throne. The most prominent competition that God has in your life. So question number one. What are you most disappointed with right now? And don't look at anybody here in the room. Okay, don't do that. What are you most disappointed with right now? Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your financial status. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your marriage. What is it that you are disappointed with? Because whatever you're most disappointed with points to something that you've put your hope in. And instead of putting our hope in God, we put our hope and we put our focus in this or in that. And then when it doesn't work out, we get so frustrated and we become so disappointed. And oftentimes, we even find ourselves in despair. Question two, what do you sacrifice your time and money for? We've talked about this one before. See, that's how you you know who your God is, right? Do you sacrifice time and money for the Lord? Or do you sacrifice time and money for, you just fill in the blank. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a job, maybe, maybe it's your home, maybe it's a car. What is it you sacrifice for? See, you show me what you sacrifice for, and I'll show you what it is that you worship. Question three. This is a big one. Where do you go when you get hurt? Where do you go when life is hard? When you're looking for comfort? Do you come home after a long day, and you open up the refrigerator and look for some comfort food? We even call it that, right? Instead of turning to God, we we help ourselves feel better, maybe by eating, maybe by drinking. Maybe you get into a fight with your spouse and you feel rejected, so where do you go for comfort? Do you enter the pagan temple of a pornographic website and try to find comfort there? Where do you go? Because where you go for comfort reveals where you put your hope. It reveals if we're going to go to God for our problems, if we're going to go to God with the challenges and with the pain and with the suffering, or is there something else that we're going to go to, hoping that it will do for us what God says he wants to do for us. Where do you go when you're hurt? Here's the last question. Whose applause do you long for? Whose applause do you long for? Whose approval are you really living for? Maybe, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, it's a coach, it's a, it, it, it's a friend. Uh, who is it that you live for? Because the applause that you are searching for will tell you a lot about who it is that is on the throne of your life. If you're always willing to be recognized by a certain group or by certain society, members of society, it says a lot about who it is that you worship. See, ultimately, an idol is anything or anyone other than God that receives my passion, that receives my value, that receives my hope, that receives my glory, my commitment. And so an idol, then, is just some kind of cheap substitute for God, where you look for someone or something to do exactly for you, again, what God has said, I want to do for you. So you might not have a gold statue there in your living room, but... But maybe you've got some off-brand cereal. You know what I'm talking about, right? You don't have Apple Jacks. You have Apple Dapples. Yeah. You don't eat Fruit Loops. No, in your cabinet, you've got Tutti Fruities. And look, I, I, know, I know they're cheaper, and I know they really help with the budget, and there's no judgment if this is what is there in your cabinet. But let's just be honest, you get what you pay for, right? I mean, you pour milk on that thing, and it is not absorbing at all. I mean, it just doesn't. They're not as good as the real thing. They're not meant to be. What are they meant to be? Cheap substitutes. Right? That's what they're meant to be. Here's what I think. We're surrounded by a culture that attempts to force feed us cheap substitutes of God. We don't think much of it because we're just used to it. We don't really notice it anymore because we're just kind of learned that Well, okay, I'm just going to find my hope and I'm going to find my pleasure and I'm going to find my worth and all these things, my security, my identity. These are the things that I'm going to go to for comfort. This is where I'm going to go for healing. This is where I'm going to get my applause. We've just settled for all of these different cheap substitutes. So look at verses 8 through 12. Everybody's on the ground, right? Worshiping the cheap substitute. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. That's always good to say whenever you go talk to the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. But there are some Jews. Not all of them. There's some. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego whom you have put in charge of your province in Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Friends, understand that when your moment comes, when your moment comes, if you refuse to serve the gods of this culture, others will notice, and they will tell on you. They will. Man, didn't that kid in school get on your nerves, right? You know, the, the the tattletale, the one that, that went and told the teacher all the things that everybody else was doing. The teacher goes out of the room. The teacher comes back in the room, and everybody is just quiet little angels. But there's that one kid that has to raise their hand and say, while you were gone, and if you don't remember that kid, maybe you were that kid. I don't know. Maybe that's who... Maybe, the, maybe you were the kid that got on everybody else's nerves. But look, if you choose to stand while everyone else is on their knees others will notice she's not consumed by her job can you believe that he's not focused totally on himself and self-absorbed they're not letting their kids choose he's not sleeping around she's not giving in to anxiety he's not questioning his identity can you believe this they're not they're not fighting back they're not lying they're not demanding their way They're not living the way they're supposed to be living. Guys, in a self-worshipping culture, God-worshippers will always stand out. Can't help it. Because you can't have both. You can't have God and self on the throne. And God-worshippers will always stand out in a culture that is calling on everyone to bow down to the newest and latest cheap substitute of God. So in a self-worshipping culture, God-worshippers will stand out, and in society will not be pleased. Notice verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Is it true, Shadrach? Meshach, you got you to tell me, these guys were wrong, Right? Abendigo! They're making it up. They're just trying to say something about you because well, you guys aren't from around here, and they're just trying to make you look bad. Is it really true that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the golden statue that I have set up? Culture, friends, family, coworkers—they will be shocked when you do not conform. They'll be shocked. And because they can't believe that you would choose God over self, because they can't believe that you would choose God over a relationship, that that you would choose God over promotion, that you would choose God over, over this certain activity, that you would choose God above all else, they'll say like Nebuchadnezzar, I'll give you one more chance. Guys, society will always give you another opportunity to worship something other than God. That's great this past week that you said God is my God and I'm going to worship him and him alone. That's wonderful. What about this coming week? Because society will give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance because society looks at you and says you've got to be kidding. I mean, you just haven't caught up with the times. You you just haven't realized you're no longer in your parents' house. You can do whatever you want to. You understand this isn't 1950. Come on. I'll give you one more chance to alter your beliefs. One more chance to adjust your priorities. One more chance to abandon your upbringing. I love it that these guys didn't need another chance. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to You, Your Majesty. We will never serve Your gods or worship the gold statue that You have set up. See, right there in the Bible, that's one of those woo-hoo moments, right there. That's it. If you're a woo and you read that, you're just like, woohoo! that is great. Man, that, that is awesome. But why didn't they need another chance? Why didn't they need another opportunity? Why did they need to think about it a little bit? Give a little holy huddle and say, you know what? If we'll just go with it this time, it's going to give us an opportunity next time to be an example. Why didn't they think about it a little longer? Here's why I think. Did you catch it? They said, the God whom we serve. They said, the God that's on our throne the God whom we imitate, the God that we listen to. You see, their worship was not up for discussion. They served God and not self, and their actions revealed the voice that they followed. Now look, we're gonna come back next week and discuss the consequences of, of breaking out of society's mold, and, and we're, we're gonna talk about a little bit about how our, our actions, how we can how we can act in a way that can give us opportunities to continue conversations with individuals that wonder, why are you doing what you're doing? But for now, let me close by asking this. What do your actions reveal about the voice you are following? What does it reveal? Who is it, what is it, that you are really worshiping? Because your actions in the moment will display the God that is on your throne. You get that, right? Everybody's going to have a moment. Everybody's going to have a moment when they're called out to Dura, where all of a sudden the rubber's going to meet the road. It's going to be, who is it that you worship? Who is it that rules your life? Who controls your thoughts? Who is it that guides your actions? Who is it that you center yourself on? That moment is coming. And your actions in that moment will display the God that is on the throne. So, why not resolve this morning? Why not resolve this morning to listen to the voice of the one who knows you best? To listen to the voice of the one who created you, the one who formed you for purpose. Friends, this culture does not have your soul's best interest at heart. So, block out the noise. Block out the noise and open your heart to the one who is able to save and rescue you from the mold that culture has forced you to take on. See, culture will always give you another chance. But culture will never give you as many opportunities as your God does. You see, I know there are people here who blew the moment. I know there are people who are watching right now who are listening, that when I talked about there's a moment where you've got to, where you just got to decide, this is who I'm going to worship, this is what I'm going to do, this is how we're going to get my family, this is the things that we're going to focus on. You blew the moment. You blew the moment. You you didn't do it the first time, you didn't do it the fifth time, not the tenth time, but that fifteenth time when they said, hey, come on and go with us, we're going to have a great time, you blew the moment. And so then you come into times like this and you hear a message like this and you're sitting there right now and you're going, oh, man. man. Guys, you can never blow enough moments that God will not say, I still love you. and I will still be your God. So why don't you step down off the throne of your life? Why don't you take whatever it is that you have placed on the throne, whatever it is that you're listening to, whatever it is that you are following, why not, right now, take it off the throne of your life and bow before your God? You see, this is your moment. Who is it that you will listen to? Why don't you come this morning? Why don't you come talk to somebody about it? Why don't you come bow down before the Lord, just as you are, as we stand and give Him praise?